Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So I think the Senate has done a pretty good job of screwing up this abortion bill. The Indiana Senate has uh, done, uh, well, kind of what we expected. Put forward some legislation that doesn't really have the support of Republicans in the Indiana General Assembly. Now, don't get me wrong, I am not someone who's listening to the Indiana Democratic Party saying, how dare you not let us speak? What is it that you want to say? Well, we have, we have amendments we want to add. Okay. You think that the issue here is that nobody was listening to your amendments? That's what Senator Greg Taylor wants you to believe. Well, this has solidified my opinion on what we are doing today and in this special session more than anything I've heard in the last two days. You don't care about the minority. You care about power. I'm curious where Senator Taylor is on the filibuster on the federal side. Just curious where he is about that and the conversation of power. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, guys? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. More from Senator Taylor, who heads up the Democrats in the Senate in Indiana. This is the body of the people. And the people spoke tremendously during the committee that we had the other day. And the chair of the committee decided that he would not hear amendments that we wanted to offer. Would you have like 40 people speaking at, at the state house? Your people? You got six million plus Hoosiers. They want restrictions on abortion. The only person not listening, Senator, is you. You and your party. That much is clear. You're the ones not listening to Hoosiers. This is obvious. And that's why you are not even part of, of, of the minority. You're in the super minority because Republicans have the super majority. And you wonder why you don't have a voice because you're not bringing anything to the table. You didn't say, hey, we think these would be acceptable restrictions. You said no restrictions whatsoever on abortion. How dare you? Abortion is not a constitutional right. It was never a constitutional right. It was wrong from the beginning. If you want to argue what the right was, the right was actually to privacy and that was taken away, which I agree is a thing we could discuss. You're not dealing with the reality of Hoosiers. Now, I would argue that there are a bunch of Republicans also not dealing with the reality of Hoosiers either because they have limited exceptions. And I think that understanding Hoosiers, they want less limits, but still restrictions. If you told them first trimester, rape, incest, life of the mother, this is a done deal. But I think for a lot of people, they don't understand that the pro-life side is really pro-life. Like they're not just talking. This is who they are. This is what they believe. And they're willing to go to the mattresses on this. That's not where all Hoosiers are. That's just a reality. I'm discussing reality, not my own personal wants. 
I have got so much more on that subject, and and there'll be more, especially as next week comes into play, and will they get this done before the end of August? But in case you missed it, I spoke with Congresswoman Victoria Sparks in an interview that is making the rounds about how well people like Politico are claiming that Republicans are not happy with her because she's been criticizing Zelensky. In the interview with me, she's criticizing Biden in a huge, huge way. You tell me if it's accusatory. Zelensky may not be up to the task because of what's going on from the U.S. government, not taking things seriously, What did she think of the Vogue uh, fashion shoot, the cover shoot that Zelensky and his wife did? We got into all of it. I'll play that for you next. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Representative Victoria Sparks has been front and center in the conversation about the war in Ukraine, the Russian invasion. Tony Katz, great to be with you. She's been front and center about her support of Ukraine and thinking that the world should be supportive of Ukraine. She has also been written about with a piece on Politico. Republicans wince as their Ukrainian-born colleague thrashes Zelensky, clearly having issues with how things are going and how things are being presented. As the people at National Review wrote it, and others have discussed it, Representative Sparks deserves an argument on Ukraine, the ability to engage the conversation. Is she somebody who is going about engaging Ukraine in a way that hurts America's interest or hurts America in terms of its support for Zelensky, or is she having the honest conversation that more Americans need to have? Congresswoman Victoria Sparks, the 5th District of Indiana, joins us right now. Full disclosure, my member of Congress, it's Politico that started the conversation. Republicans wince as their Ukrainian-born colleague thrashes Zelensky. That's you. The question is, are your Republican colleagues wincing? And what is it you're saying about Zelensky that allegedly has people upset? Well, thank you for having me. I kind of like it that all of the secret Republican, secret executive orders, they're, they're so bold that everything is so secret, right? And unfortunately, unfortunately for Ukrainian people and unfortunately for American people, we have a very bad administration with very dishonest agenda. And I'm telling you, and I said, like, at least if you have an agenda, be honest so we don't have people dying. And we have a lot of people dying here because of their fellow agenda in Ukraine. And I'll tell you something, you know, this is the same people that run this administration that gave Georgia to Russia. They gave Crimea to Russia, a big part of Georgia, Crimea, in eastern Ukraine. And I think they have a different agenda. I think they are wanting Russia to have a big part of eastern Ukraine. I don't know if they're just anti-Ukrainian or pro-Russian. It doesn't matter. They're just afraid of everything. They don't want to deal with problems. But the problem is Ukrainian people do not want that, and Ukrainian army do not want that. So they're really sabotaging, from my perspective, and not helping that. And I said, it's a dishonest. Now, uh, before you, before you go on, Congressman, I want to make sure I understand. Which administration are you referring to? The Biden administration I, or the Zelensky Biden administration? Biden, no, I'm talking about Biden administration. This is administration that represents my country. This is an administration that I have to be a check and balance to. So this administration, I'm talking Biden administration, and people that work for him, that they were the one who gave Crimea, Georgia, 
Eastern Ukraine, and they now want to give more because the way how they are delivering or not delivering and dragging their feet, what they're doing in Ukraine, I mean, this is unacceptable. They are not helping Ukraine to win, not help to hold Russia. They are actually almost like sabotaging what's happening there. And I'm saying I do not know if they're just afraid of Russia, China, because they're very pro-China, too. They do the talk, but they're helping China. They're giving money to UN that serves Russia and China, big money. All, most of the money that you don't even think about it, that supposedly go to Ukraine, they go to United Nations that is full of Russian and Chinese spies. And it is a problem. And this is American money. And they don't want to be checked. They're pushing on Zelensky's and your mark. They're forcing them to do a lot of things that they believe needs to happen. And unfortunately, I don't know what their agenda, but in their track record, what's happened, it seems like they're willing to give territories to Russia as many as possible. Maybe they're just anti-Ukraine or don't care or just don't want so to deal with issues. Is the argument, talking to Congresswoman Victoria Sparks of the Indiana 5th District, is the argument that the Biden administration is not doing enough to help the Ukrainians or that the Biden administration uh, doesn't care what happens to the Ukrainians? Because the the issue has been, or I should say how people are describing it, is that you are not uh, cheerleading Vladimir Zelensky, and that's considered to be a big issue for the party when supporting Zelensky was so uh, important. Important to, to everybody. Are you no longer supportive of Zelensky as the leader of Ukraine, or are you not supportive of ways the Biden administration has acted towards Zelensky? Well, I think it's it's I you know listen for me not to decide you know what Zelensky is doing to his country, but I know what we are doing, and I know what we are doing right now since we are not managing the process. You return in Ukraine and another Afghanistan. And this administration failed. It was a disaster what happened in Afghanistan. And they are doing exactly the same thing, where they, we don't lead, we don't manage. They know there are so many problems that Ukraine has to deal with. There are so many interests inside Ukraine, so much infiltration by Russians. There are so many other things. We could deal with that. We could have a better, you know, more effective mechanism to help Ukraine better. But we are not doing that. We are not doing that. And it is very strange to me that it's exactly the same thing happening what happened in Afghanistan. It's very strange to me that this is the same people that gave big parts of Ukraine to Russia and Georgia. This is the same people that work under Obama administration. This is the same people that run in the show right now in the Biden administration. But I say if their agenda is different and the strategies they have, is not aligning with Ukrainian people. What people want, just be honest with them and just say, you know what, I'm going to be dragging my feet. I'm going to be, you know, not helping you enough. Just be on your own and figure out if you're going to be dying there. Don't do the lies. Don't push on Zelensky and his people, you know, to do all of this show, which is really not backed up by any actions. Because it's unfair to these young kids and young people dying in the trenches. It's unfair to do that. Be honest with the people, because our talk and our work are not aligned. Our strategy, we don't even know what the strategy of this administration. So I think, from my perspective, they're probably pushing on Zelensky to do what they want to do. But I would like to hear from them. What is their goal? Stop lying to American people. Stop lying to Congress. What are you doing? Don't do all this like show on TV, because it's real people's life. It's not a show. It's not a theater. So and I, I hear you. Support it. 
I hear you in, in a discussion of the Biden administration and whether or not they are truly supportive of Ukraine in, in trying to do away with this Russian threat. But as the reporting went and the conversations are happening, and you can say that the reporting is bunk, and I'm, I'm listening to you, you accuse Zelensky of playing politics, not understanding the seriousness of the conflict. Is Zelensky the right leader for the moment? And we are now two days past, three days past, this Vogue cover shoot with him and uh, the First Lady of Ukraine on the cover. Did that photo shoot hurt his credibility? Well, I think, you know, if you think about it, you know, and most politicians, right, that go into, you know, I mean, not necessarily, you know, have the best, you know, and, and, and knowledge how to do things, right? So if you think about it, he came from a different environment, right? He came from a different environment. He, he was involved in the theater. He's a young and he's probably a person with some ambitions and all this stuff, right? But I think the challenge that you have when you get this young leaders, we could help this young leaders to, you know, to govern better and help, but we are not. And we are spending a lot of resources and don't give a proper advice, don't give a proper oversight, make sure that they govern in the best way we can. We almost encourage them, you know, to do things that are not really as productive for Ukraine. And this is a very strange to me because we're spending a lot of resources. Ukraine is in our strategic interest. Ukraine has a lot of critical resources that are very, very significant and would be very bad if China and Russia controlled them. Is Vladimir Zelensky up to the task, in your view? Any any person, I don't know him well enough, right? Any person can step up to the task, and I think he did step up, you know, at the beginning of the war and and were able to unite the West and were able to do some things, right? So I think... He was, he stepped up to the occasion and was able to do something. But now there are different issues to deal with. And it could be maybe, you know, our pressures are putting him in the wrong direction. I don't know. I am not going to be, I don't know. I'm not sitting with him. I'm not talking to him. So I don't know. I think a lot of actions, you know, I would have done differently, you know, but he's the leader of his country and that's up to Ukrainian people. I am a congresswoman of this country, and I have a responsibility for my president to do his job. And I think he's not doing his job, and him not doing his job is going to hurt Ukraine and our national interest. And the problem I have, you know, unfortunately, my establishment, but I think if you have a tabloid media and establishment attacking you, you're doing something right in this piece. You know, I can tell you, if politicals on your case, you're doing something right. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you something, you know, they, they, you know, this is the people that write books, sit here, and they don't see real life. You know, they all have academics. They're all, it's full of academics. They all discuss all of the things, but they never go on the ground and see real people. They don't see the suffering that does. That's what their policy do. They do not care. They live in this bubble, never get out in D.C., and they think like, oh, we're so great. What did they great to do for our country? You're not going to get me to disagree with you, Congresswoman, uh, about Politico. But before, before I let you go, talking to Congresswoman Victoria Sparks of the Indiana 5th District, 
part of the conversation is that you are Ukrainian born. That is part of the reason you were able to get such a wide microphone. So I accept that you are in opposition to how the Biden administration is handling Ukraine. The story was about, do you oppose the way Zelensky is handling things? And while he's not your president, your voice still matters on it because that is how so much of your voice became prominent. So I wanted to make sure I was clear on that and getting an idea of whether or not the reporting of Politico is accurate that you don't think that Zelensky is up to the task. Those are my words. And the question is, do you or do you not? Well, I think, you know, actually what they try to do, they try to undermine me everywhere here in Ukraine. But personally, I believe very likely that he is doing things under pressure from our administration. I think he gets enormous pressure and people like Yermak that's controlled by Sullivan because our administration has a different agenda. And that agenda is not aligned with the agenda with American, with, where American people is not aligned with the agenda with Ukrainian people or Ukrainian army. And I truly believe they exercising pressure on him to do things that actually I don't think good for that country. And I blame this administration because their reluctance to do some things and some things that I'm doing, very puzzling for me. So I think Zelensky is under pressure and they're putting wrong pressure on him. That is my suspicion from what I see happening. I think he could be good for the country because I think as a human being, he cares about the people. But I think he's been pushed to do things that are not good for Ukrainian people. And it is unfortunate because a lot of them are dying right now and suffering. And a lot of these young boys are dying in the trenches because we send them on suicidal missions. But they're strong. I think they're going to prevail. And I, thought, and I think you know, all of these people are surprised how well they can do, but they're just so strong and capable. And they did a lot of things against all of the odds, but they're still trying to push on them. I think it's just terrible for the government to do this to people. I honestly so frustrated with this administration, what they're doing. They had Americans killed in Afghanistan. They have a lot of people killed, and they're doing a lot of things right now. We just don't feel as much as pain because we have Ukrainians dying. But if this crisis escalates and we create Ukraine into Afghanistan, it's going to hurt all of us way more. And I don't know what's going on with this, our administration. That is my assumption, you know, and so the, all they're trying to do is undermine me because they're trying to figure out how they can make their deals behind everyone's back. It's unfortunate, and I think Congress has a responsibility to step up for, you, for American people. And Congress has a duty. When you have a failed administration, you have a duty to step up for your country, and I don't see that. So they try to undermine me in Congress, too, because they know that my colleagues trust that I don't lie and I don't do something because I don't care about the people. I do always care only about the people. Congresswoman Victoria Spartz, uh, I appreciate you responding to me. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to engage this. I think this is the first interview you've done uh, since uh, these stories broke. Um, We're going to speak again. Again, thank you so very much. Congresswoman Victoria Spartz of the Indiana 5th District. where we are today. If things are going so great, though, then why is it the White House officials are trying to redefine recession? No, we're not redefining recession. If we all understand a recession to be two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth in a row, and then you have White House officials come up here to say, no, 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 that's not what a recession is. It's something else. How is that not redefining recession? Because that's not the definition. 
That's redefining recession. That is White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre answering the question of Peter Ducey of Fox News by not answering the question at all. And with the data out that GDP again fell 0.9%, let's call it a full percent just to play the home game properly. In the second quarter, it's a second straight decline. CNBC saying a strong recession signal. It is the definition of recession. So why are we pretending otherwise? And what is it that the the White House wants to do? They want to crow about a deal between Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Chuck Schumer, which involves another level of billions of dollars of spending. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's great to be with you. Matt Will joins us right now. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And you heard it there, right from Corinne Jean-Pierre. The White House would never lie, sir. Two negative uh, uh, or two dips in each quarter of GDP, not recession. How do you respond? Well, okay. I mean, how do you say politely, Tony, when someone's lying? I just want to know, can you tell me how to say those words in a politically correct manner? Oh, gosh, I don't know how to say anything politically correct, sir. Maybe we haven't met. Okay. (laughs) Well, uh, she's lying, okay? Because Let's let's say that, quote, we're not in a recession by however they want to define a recession, even though every textbook on the planet says two quarters of negative GDP. And I could give you an exact page of a textbook that is used by economists all over the United States. But read the report this morning, Tony. Private inventories declined. That means companies are not restocking their shelves. Last week, the S&P flash report said companies are manufacturing less. I think less is a decline. I think reducing inventories is a decline. Personal income fell, Tony. It fell according to this GDP report. That means people have less money to spend. I don't know how you define a recession, Tony. I do. But if manufacturing is declining, purchasing is declining, inventories are declining, your real, your real spending power is declining. I don't know. It looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Maybe it's a duck. Well, let's go over a little bit about how they talk about this duck. This is Brian Deese, who heads up the Economic Advisory Board for Joe Biden on CNBC. Time this morning. Happy to be here. We don't want to devolve into the recession label debate, but I, I do wonder, do you eventually expect the NBER to declare what we're in, a recession? We're certainly in a transition and we are seeing slowing as we all would have expected. But I think if you look at the full data and the type of data that NBER looks at, uh, virtually nothing signals that uh, this period in the second quarter uh, is recessionary. Obviously, Nothing signals, virtually nothing signals that this period in the second quarter is recessionary. That's Brian Deese, the director of the National Economic Council. Dr. Matt Will, is he a liar? Yes. In fact, Tony, I was I was on my exercise machine this morning and I watched that entire CNBC segment. He was even the most radical left wing people on the show said the second quarter was a disaster. They said some of them said the first quarter was a mulligan. They said, OK, well, that wasn't really recession. But they even the left wing economists on the panel said that the second quarter was a disaster. So he's lying, Tony. I mean, I I guess he could maybe sue me for saying that, but I think I have factual evidence to show it's true. Well, he doubled down.
on uh, this conversation in a talk about real wages. As you know, we've seen on the wages side, uh, wages are continuing uh, to be solid. They have cooled somewhat over the course of the last three months compared to uh, prior months. We have seen that. I'm sorry, are you laughing? No, I'm outraged because the GDP report, I read it this morning, it said real wages were down. He said he used this term tapering or something. No, real wages were down. So he used, he I believe he used that? the term cooling. He said that they cooling. were cooling. Yes, they're, 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 uh, yes, Tony, I, 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 in my opinion, when things are cooling, that's not a good sign. I want to heat my steak back up. I don't want to eat it cold. But apparently things are cooling and we should be happy with that. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, this, I, I'm with you that we're being lied to. And I'm with you that it is very obvious and very clear that it is a manipulation of data. But take us, take us out of the politics of it and let's get into what it is that the markets are, are signaling, what it is that this GDP slowdown is signaling. When we talk about how it is a problem for Midwest Main Street, how it's a problem uh, for, for Hoosiers like us, for Americans all across the country, talk to me about what this GDP slowing shows you? Well, well Tony, they talk about that uh, labor is a good sign, that we still have a good labor market. Well, labor is a lagging indicator. It comes up in the data significantly later. So what we see here is Shopify lays off 10% of their workforce. I think for Main Street America, when 10% of the people lose their jobs, that's a big deal. When Amazon, for the first time in two years, says they have decreased sales, Tony, for the, person, the average person on the street, that means something. That means that they're buying less stuff. And when your wages increase less than inflation, for the person on Main Street, Tony, that means you have less money in your pocket. Okay, you have, you have 7% more money in your pocket, but inflation was 8.2%. So, Tony, you have less money in your pocket. And I think for a person just walking down the street, less money in your pocket's a bad thing. Maybe they would call that a recession. Tony, if I have less money in my pocket, I claim that's a recession by my definition. Forget the economist's definitions. If I have less money, I'm in a recession. And that is the argument, of course, between what it is we feel on Midwest Main Street and what D.C. wants to tell us. It's the difference between uh, their words and, and your eyes right there. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. One of the things that you discuss is that the Federal Reserve can raise interest rates. But it doesn't mean anything if spending continues from Congress. The move yesterday to bring interest rates up by three quarters of a percent and that that target rate between 2.25 and 2.5 percent. You happy with this or based on this GDP information, based on where you see inflation going, they're going to have to do it at least one more time. Well, well, Tony, I I like the fact that you're asking me that question, and I think they got to do it one more time. But um there was something that happened yesterday that was worse than the GDP news and totally contradicted. It was schizophrenic because Manchin and Schumer, and I don't know if you want to talk about this, but they announced something that they knew was going to get below the fold. They knew was going to get pushed to the background when the GDP numbers came out. And that was the biggest disaster yesterday, Tony, was this announcement of tax and spend and tax and spend on top of a $280 billion spending package that was passed earlier in the week. 
Oh, I was going to get to it. You're you're beating me to the punch. You're talking about the Schumer Mansion deal on reconciliation. It would quote unquote invest more than four hundred billion dollars over ten years. And how it breaks down is a fifteen percent corporate minimum tax to raise three hundred plus billion dollars. They would do more IRS enforcement to raise one hundred twenty four billion. They would get two hundred eighty eight billion dollars through negotiating better deals on prescription drugs. And close the carried interest loophole to bring in another $14 billion. That's the tax side. And then the spend side, which is $433 billion, which they claim is investment, includes $369 billion for energy and climate-related products. Before we get into the spending part of it, talk to me about what a corporate minimum tax is. Let's start there. Well, a corporate minimum tax, when you read the proposal, which actually came out last May, and if you look at the proposal, 15% minimum corporate tax rate means that even if you lose money, company, uh, Tony, even if you lose money, your company will have to pay taxes. And the way they're going to do this is they're empowering the IRS to remove your deductions. So, Tony, let's say you spend money on, on um, materials. Well, we're going to reduce that. You, do, you don't get to deduct the cost of materials in your, in your income statement. Tony, they're giving the IRS the power to call an expense not an expense. What administration are we living in where they keep changing the definitions of words? What's a woman? What's a, you know, what's a recession? What's a, an expense? What's an investment? You called it an investment, Tony. Are you going over to the dark side? They're spending this money. You're calling. I it an use investment? their words. Don't you? Don't you even try it, <laughs> young man? I'll, I'll reach. I'll reach right through the radio. Are you kidding? Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I'm discussing it as it is reported. So, but yeah. when we talk about a 15% corporate minimum tax, what is it an actual tax on? It's actually, you know what, Tony? They claim it's a tax on profits, which is false. Because even if you lose money, they're going to tell you you had a profit. They're going to, it's tax on revenue. It's really a tax on revenue, Tony. So even if you lose money, they're still going to make you pay taxes. It's a, so, no, so it's based on what you bring in, not what is an actual earning to the bottom line. That's the fact, but that's not what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you it's a, it's a tax on those gross profits that they make. And they make them overseas. Well, you pay taxes overseas, Tony. Some jurisdictions have a higher tax rates, some have lower tax rates, but they're going to say, we don't care if you pay taxes somewhere else, you're going to pay them again. And if you lost money in the United States, you're still going to pay taxes. Now, where they have another thing is the $14 billion they're going to supposedly raise through closing the carried interest loophole. I I gave a definition on on the morning show earlier. I would like a definition from you on carried interest and how is this not playing into the whole fair share conversation? This is a tax increase on a, on quite a few Americans. Well, okay. Uh, you and I may disagree on this one because I am in favor of closing the carried interest te- loophole. Uh, Trump was as, as well, but he couldn't get it through because his own party blocked it. But uh, carried interest is when you are a general partner in a private company, you make money two ways. A fee, so you charge usually like a 2% fee. And then you make money based on your share of the profits. So you get a percentage of the profits, usually a 20% of the profits. Well, Tony, currently that's taxed as a capital gain, not as ordinary income. But it is ordinary income. Yet it's, care, it's counted as a capital gain. So that, that is a loophole that allows you to reclassify your income into a lower tax category. By the way, Tony, I would like taxes reduced. 
But it is kind of a, 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 a game to switch the category of the income because it's not a capital gain. That is not an accurate statement. So it's the loophole closing is, is okay in my mind. But we still are discussing it, whether you agree or disagree, it's still a tax increase. In the yeah. end, that's an inescapable fact. It is. And in fact, I got to tell you, there's more lying in this proposal because they say that people under 400000 won't have a tax increase. They say that in their one-page document. Yet if you're a business owner, Tony, you will have a tax increase because they then go on to say that they're going to eliminate deductions and they're going to enforce tax rules more which means I don't care how much you make. If you're a small business owner, I'm increasing your taxes. Let me go back to 2009. Uh, this was a quote uh, from 2009 from somebody who was kind of well-known. You don't raise taxes in a recession. The last thing you want to do is to raise taxes in the middle of uh, a recession. Yet here we are, not listening to Barack Obama anymore. Those were the good old days. And we have this group wanting to raise taxes in a recession. So the question is, between the tax and the spend, which part of this Manchin-Schumer deal, this reconciliation that's going to try and get through the Senate, which part of it is worse for the American people? Oh, that, that's, 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 you know, that's a terrible question, Tony. I can't, I can't choose which one of my two children I like more. Come on. They're both bad. Not my children. The, uh, the, 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 the taxing is, of course, going to destroy supply. It's going to destroy incentives. You're going to have less stuff to buy. No new stuff. Tony, you know what I want to call their thing? The Inflation Creation Act, because that's what it's going to do, because we're going to reduce the amount of stuff in the economy. We're going to cut the supply via taxes. By the way, we're also cutting supply via winners and losers. We haven't talked about this yet, Tony, but this bill says to says to Tesla, who makes $9.8 billion profit last year, here, we're going to give you a subsidy. Generac, who made profits, we're giving you a subsidy. SolarEdge, you made profits, we're going to give you a subsidy. This is bad for the economy when you start picking winners or losers. This caused inflation, and they're causing more inflation and more recession. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More coming up. Keep it right here, guys. I'm Tony Katz. So the markets, they're going to do what, what they do. I'm not sure how they're going to kind of play out with this news about the GDP down 0.9% the day after interest rates are raised three quarters of a point, although I got to assume the markets like the raising of the uh, of the interest rates. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. We'll dig into uh, more uh, of that uh, soon enough. There was this piece over there at Fox News. Carl Rove saying that Gavin Newsom's Florida and Texas ad strategy was brilliant. I think it's a little too cute by half. I think it's a little bit of Carl Rove wanting to be uh, important. So what happened was that Governor Newsom, Gavin Newsom, who clearly is running for president, ran ads in Florida, TV ads, and he put newspaper ads in Texas. And in Florida, he's like, hey, you should come to California. You can live free. Well, I don't know what you think is not being lived free in Florida. No one in Florida thinks this way. But the idea was that he was going to Florida and he was going to fight Ron DeSantis right on his home turf. So Rove makes the point that Newsom has raised $23 million for his reelection campaign possibly because of these ads, $100,000 spent in Florida, $30,000 spent in Texas. 
He spends 130 grand, and he gets two weeks of national ID as a fighter and a Democrat who's willing to take it to the Republicans. And so he's like, that's 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 brilliant strategy. I would argue in normal circumstances, it is brilliant strategy. The problem, however, and the reason it's too cute by half, is that it doesn't engage a larger conversation, which is, this is a progressive who did this. And this progressive won't get the nomination because the progressives are not nominating another white male. Because of their ideological desires and rigidness and radicalness, it doesn't matter how inventive Gavin Newsom is. They need a Stacey Abrams type. Which makes it very confusing that they're running her for governor of Georgia. They should have just saved her for the presidency. But they couldn't guarantee there'd be a presidency to save her for, because how are they going to run her and not Kamala Harris? Well, they're not going to run Kamala Harris because she's ridiculous. I mean, the word salad, the constant and continual word salad from that woman. She inspires no confidence. Now, we could always leave a little bit to the side of, yes, they could nominate Gavin Newsom. But you really think progressives are going to want another white male? That's why this brilliant strategy doesn't matter as much, because the progressive party can't have him because of their own ideology. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.